I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles to help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. Well, welcome back for another episode, folks. We are broadcasting from the great state of South Dakota, where under God, the people rule. It is a great day to be alive out here. The, the, the birds are singing, the bees are buzzing. Uh, and yes, I know, because I've got the new uh, colonies installed in my hives. The bees are out and um, in spring is just coming to the earth. It's a glorious thing. Uh, to, to, to witness and experience once more. So speaking of uh, new life, we're going to re- we're going to turn back again today on this episode of Faith and Politics to an issue that we've talked about before with a number of different people, um, including Jennifer Law, the, the executive director, president of uh, Center for Bioethics and Culture, and Katie Faust, um, the founder and president of Them Before Us. We're going to talk about surrogacy. Um, uh, an article caught my attention, published a couple weeks ago in the national interest, sort of this national, um, primarily kind of a foreign policy sort of uh, uh, publication. It got republished in a couple other places online, and it's it's titled How Surrogacy Harms Women and Children. I've got uh, Grace Melton on the program with me today. Grace is the senior associate for social issues at the United Nations. The, um, at the DeVos Center for Religion and Civil Society at uh, the Heritage Found- Foundation. Um, correct me if I've got that wrong, but uh, welcome to the program, Grace. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. And, and Grace, before we launch into your piece, which is an amazing piece that I think deserves a read, folks, I'm going to link to it in the show notes, just kind of to give the brief recap of this issue in South Dakota in um, it was late in 2018 when it, it came to some folks' attention that, hey, a new business filed uh, with the Secretary of State in South Dakota. It was called Dakota Surrogacy LLC. And there were some people out there like, what's this? Uh, Dakota Surrogacy LLC. And kind of digging into it a little bit, it's a brokerage is what it is. They, they match people up. They get paid. Um, people show up, they have a checkbook. Uh, other people show up, they'd like to get a check. And they it's it's a baby brokerage. So this kind of um, began a conversation about surrogacy in the legislature. There was a bill, 2019, excuse me, 2020 legislative session. And um, uh, House Bill 1096, sponsored by Representative John Hansen, District 25, Del Rapids, and then um, Senator Al Northstrup, who is District 3 in Aberdeen. Um, Great, great bill, made it through the House uh, really well, and then got killed in Senate committee. And I think it's, you know, sometimes a little sensitive to like naming names and like putting stuff out there, but I think it's really important for people to know. And I want you to just like, oh, what did I do with it? I had the I had the, okay, I'm gonna pull it up and and we're gonna go through the committee vote here before we sign off later today. But it's actually important that we know who the people are and how they voted on this issue because it's gonna come up again um, in the next legislative session. Um, and actually the, the next thing that I, I, and this is widely talked about is it, there's gonna be a bill to affirmatively legalize it in South Dakota. And that's bad for a number of reasons that Grace and I are gonna talk about, but just, um, to kind of wrap up this history, a couple of really important things came out 
um, in the South Dakota discussion is first and foremost, there's an industry here. There are people, as I said, with checkbooks, there are people that make money and people that pay, get paid. There are hundreds of children that have been kind of wrapped up in this and children don't have checkbooks. They, they don't have a voice in this process. Um, and the other thing that was really fascinating was that this isn't just South Dakotans we're talking about. There are people coming from Europe and hiring South Dakota women. There are people coming from China and hiring South Dakota women. And in testimony in front of our, our Senate committee, one of these surrogate women who, um, God bless her, she's not really aware of the harms, but she said, don't worry, we've got a contract. And the contract says that this child is not going to be an American citizen. It's like, whoa, this kid is born in America. You know, this is um, this is a South Dakotan we're talking about who's now in in China. So it's like, OK, that's a springboard for our conversation. Um, and Grace, one of the things that you lead your article with, I just think is so I mean, so true, as I've seen it, is you say that surrogacy, there's really like this one sided conversation around it. And so you like want to just have you want to bring in some other aspects of the conversation. But maybe, okay, first things first, if, if people are like, what are you talking about, Chris? Never heard of this before. What is it? Can you just briefly, what, what is surrogacy? Sure. Well, so, so surrogacy is um, where uh, a woman carries a baby for somebody else who is not able to. Um, so it takes a couple different forms. Um, people sometimes make the distinction between altruistic surrogacy and uh, commercial surrogacy, which really doesn't change um, kind of biologically what's happening, but it's, um, it affects the, the woman's intention of why she's doing it. So um, usually a, a biological or I'm sorry, a surrogate woman will be, um, artificially inseminated with uh, an egg from a third party, um, maybe the intending parent, uh, and then the sperm from some sperm donor, possibly the intending father, but not necessarily. And so this, this surrogate uh, mother is then, you know, carries to term um, a baby for somebody else. And, you know, as we, I'm sure we'll discuss, there are a whole host of reasons why um, a woman might do this and why uh, somebody else yeah. might want her to do that. But so, so just, what it is. so just like in terms of even the pop culture, like everybody knows Kim Kardashian, like Kim Kardashian would hire a woman. She doesn't want to have any, you know, she wants another baby, but she doesn't like want to have you know, she's got an Instagram body or whatever. And it's like, she wants somebody else to go through pregnancy. And so she's going to hire a woman. The woman is going to be implanted with a, an embryo that has uh, been created via IVF in a laboratory. And, and this woman is going to carry the pregnancy to term, give birth. And then Kim shows up and, and gets the baby and the, and the other woman Gets right. a check, or, or as you say, there's some that they call uh, so-called altruistic, where it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that scenario. It could be a sister for, you know, her sister right. is infertile for whatever reason. Right. And 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 the, what you describe is more common now, where that baby is biologically or genetically related to, in this case, Kim Kardashian, and not to the surrogate mother. It used to be more common, I think, before. The, the legal issues were uh, raised that 
it could, the surrogate mother could also be the biological mother. Um, sure. That sure. happens a lot less now, certainly in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think the term they use for that is traditional surrogacy. And I'd make the point, there's nothing traditional about surrogacy. The traditional way is, you know, everybody knows the traditional way to conceive. There's nothing traditional about surrogacy, but that term, if you hear it, it just means that a woman has been inseminated um, with, uh, with sperm, but it's actually her egg. Right. And yeah. So well, you because know, and, of those legal issues that that raises with the, the egg being genetically related to the surrogate mother. Um, now there's, there's definitely been a movement away from doing that. And it's more often that the surrogate mother is using the egg and the sperm from other people. Yeah. So, so kind of with that as like, okay, that's what surrogacy is. You say this conversation has been really one-sided and um, I can even uh, here in South Dakota, our local media too, they do puff pieces on like how great this is, you know, this way to grow your family, whatever. They actually, I have t contacted news directors and said, Hey, here's a surrogate went through this. She's now opposed to it because of the great harms. Do a story on her. She's testified at the United Nations. And it's like crickets. It's a very one-sided. They don't want to talk to her. So in wanting to actually bring in another side of the conversation, you talk about kind of, I described as two prongs, sort of the harms prong, harms to women, harms to children. But then also like there's a bit more of a philosophical prong, which is we're like actually commodifying human beings, commodifying motherhood, commodifying children. Let's start with the harms first. What can you tell us about harms to women, harms to children? Sure. Well, I mean, those are two in, in most ways distinct issues, right? The harms to the women. Um, and, and those, those are more, maybe more compelling to some, to some listeners and the, the harms to the children are distinct from that. Um, you know, I would say first to step back and realize this is kind of a brave new world of technology and science. So there's a lot that we know in terms of how to make a baby, um, you know, both the traditional way and in a laboratory and how to gestate a baby. But we, there's a lot we don't know about um, what the side effects of that could be for the woman in terms of the different um, hormones and interventions that her body has to go through in order to be a surrogate um, and the the risks to the woman who is the egg donor um, you know science just hasn't really caught up and and the long-term studies haven't caught up to that yet so while we know that there are some risks in terms of um, a surrogate woman's pregnancies that you know in terms of increased hypertension um, and, and other risks that kind of go along with a, a traditional pregnancy, but are maybe exacerbated by whether it's, um, the increased hormones or the fact that, you know, this, the, the baby that is developing in her is not genetically related to her. So, so really we know that there are increased health risks for the woman, both as the surrogate mother and as the egg donor, we, we don't have all the information about what those health risks are. Um, and then if you look at the, the risks to the children or the harms rather to the children, again, we don't have a lot of information on what those health risks are to, to the children. There is some, some research out there that 
it seems like those children, those children may be more likely to be have low birth weight or be born early, which presents a whole bunch of other risks. But I think maybe the more uh, important harms to the children are that you know this this raises the whole issue of a child knowing his or her identity and its relationship to their to his or her mother or father. Um, you know, as, as conservatives, uh, we say all the time that, you know, children need a mother and a father and the family is important. And there are things that a mother brings to her child that are different and important from what a father brings to the child, which are also really important. And some of that is biological, but certainly some, you know, not all of it is. So if we're taking the idea of, um, you know, the, the desires of, of the adults who want to grow their family, who want to do it in a particular way. And I mean, I think we need to have compassion for the people who are yes. struggling with infertility or other yes. conditions or whatever um, may be the reason that they turn to surrogacy. Um, that doesn't, those factors don't impact the child and what the child experiences as a result. Yeah, and I think this experience has been described by some as a it's like a primal wound. Right. There's, there's this primal, like deep question of like, where did I come from? And 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 just like how that relates to identity. Who am I? Um, yeah, that's a that's a great, great point. Right. And I think um, you know, related to that is certainly there's some uh overlap there in terms of the feelings that children who are adopted may feel. But I think there's a really important distinction to be made between surrogacy and adoption. Yeah, draw that out for us. What's the distinction? Because I think a lot of people think like, how is this any different? You know, there's somebody who desires a child. That's a that's a beautiful desire. And especially for, as you mentioned, um, as Catholics, our catechism acknowledges and just like, the un, the inability for a married couple to bear a child is a cross. Like that's we recognize that's like a great suffering because the desire for a child is, and to parent the desire the desire to be a mother and a father is so deep within us and it's a beautiful desire. So what? How do we distinguish between surrogacy and adoption? Well, so first, I mean, adoption takes um, a situation and, and really takes a child who has already been created was already been born um, or will soon be born, but, but it takes a child and, and ideally, you know, places that child with a mother and a father who will love it and raise it and who want that child. The distinction is that surrogacy creates a child for the purposes of, um, you know, fulfilling the the desires of the adults. and so there, it's it's intentionally creating a child who will then be separated from some biological parent-child relationship. So surrogacy is creating the child with the express purpose of separating it from from its mother, whereas with adoption, we we you know the, a child or exists and the mother recognizes there's something broken that she's not able to raise it. And so if, um, if I'm, the way I understand it is that adoption is a very child centric process. We're asking what is best for this child? 
What does right. this child need? Whereas surrogacy is an adult centric process. We're asking, what does this adult want? Right. And the answer is the adult wants a baby and they're going to, you know. Right. Yeah. And the whole, you know, all of the structures around adoption have been really centered on that best interest of the child standard. Um, and, you know, so the, the ethical considerations and the legal considerations have, you know, pretty much caught up with, you know, the, the science of adoption, right? It's not, it's not really a high tech kind of thing. It's focused on what's best for the child. Um, and so there are agencies and evaluations and things that, that exist to meet that. The same doesn't exist for surrogacy. Um, so, you know, that's just a big, a big instance where, um, the science has really outpaced the ethical considerations and, and the legal issues. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned too this best interest, the child standard, that was something that came up a lot during our discussion in South Dakota in the 2020 legislative session that in surrogacy, that the standard, the legal standard that we're looking at with surrogacy is not what is in the best interest of the child. We're looking at what is what are the rights under the contract? What are the con and it's, so it's not, okay, what is good for the child here? What's its best interest? We're, we're asking, what did the adult parties, what did the people with checkbooks agree to? And we've got this whole body of contract law that actually governs the rights of people with checkbooks. We're not actually looking at best interest of the child. And, and we, under our adoption code, which is amazing, it's, um, it's been in place for a very, very long time. It's tested and proven. You can't even um, petition the court to terminate that parent-child relationship until at least several days after the child's birth. Whereas with surrogacy, it's like they're showing up beforehand. They want a pre-birth parentage order. You know, it's, and if you look at these contracts, it's like, where is the kid in this? The contracts that I've seen, they literally tell that mother, you may not breastfeed this child. You may not hold this child. And it's, it's just like, oh, who's representing the kid here? Um, well, and I mean, and science certainly does tell us that um, breastfeeding is good, is good for infants, right? Or especially good for newborns. And right. You know, skin to skin contact is is really important for newborns. And so, you know, again, there, there's just all of this that we don't know, but I think intuitively we know that, um, you know, surrogacy is different. And if it has to be regulated by all of these contracts, um, you know, it, it probably isn't in the best interest of the child this way. Yeah. So one of the, you know, you, you, you mentioned commodification too, and like commodification. Um, and, and I think that's kind of just come up in our conversation about like markets and contracts and checkbooks. But one of the things that you say that I think is really interesting is you, you write, sadly, international surrogacy markets appear to have significant and growing overlap with human trafficking. Can you say more about kind of that, that aspect of it and maybe some of the international stuff? Because we've definitely seen that come up in South Dakota too, with, as I mentioned, you know, couples from Europe where this is illegal, couples from China where this is illegal. You know, what, what can you tell us about the, the international market and the human trafficking aspect? 
Sure. Well, I mean, I think first the whole world of human trafficking is um, obviously you know, terrible and affects a, a tremendous number of women and children. It's also a world that, that there's a lot we don't know. Right. And, but it's, it's easy to, uh, to understand how a trafficker who is already, um, you know, inclined to, to take these women and girls and, and traffic them for other horrible purposes, whether it's for, um, you know, pornography or prostitution or labor, this is a huge market. Um, you know, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar market. It's not hard to imagine that a trafficker would see really, um, you know, lucrative opportunities to, to traffic a, a young woman into, you know, a surrogacy arrangement. Um, and we see, you know, stories of those popping up in other places. Um, you know, some, because of those stories, places like India, uh, has has really tried to stop that, and they have um, outlawed international surrogacy, kind of for that reason, because it was really becoming a problem in India. And there are scholars who have researched, you know, that I think um, you know, reference one of them in, in our piece. Um, but when women are are sold, trafficked, and sold for any reason that's that's a real crime and, and a real tragedy here it's it's just a huge area of opportunity for a trafficker um you know places like ukraine and russia where um surrogacy is it has even fewer regulations um that's really just an opportunity for uh, vulnerable women to be taken advantage of yeah and and that kind of interplay too um, it's actually, there's um, an international organization called the Coalition Against Trafficking in Women. Um, it's, uh, what is, I'm trying to think of the lady's name. Oh yeah, Taina Bien-Ame. Uh, she's, I, this is, by many organizations, this is considered like a women's exploitation kind of issue. And even here in South Dakota, on House Bill 1096 a couple of years ago, there, there are a couple of um, like sex trafficking, human trafficking organizations in the state. And one of them, uh, the one based out of uh, Rapid City, endorsed this bill just because it, it really, you know, the the commodification of a, of a human person, of a woman, is a really troubling thing um, that's, um, we don't necessarily think, we, we want like consent like, oh, she consented to it. But actually, let's think a little, a little more deeply there about like what is actually happening. And then it, it, it starts to make sense. So one of the questions I think is we've got uh, about five minutes left here, uh, Grace. Um, I wanna talk about like how governments are responding. That's something you talk about a little bit in your article. Well, I think that's, um part of the issues is that I think a lot of governments don't know how to respond, right? There are some governments, um, India, for example, that, that have recognized that this is a real problem. Um, and I think, you know, just to go back to the, the commodification aspect, the, it's, a, it's a problem when women are, are commodified and forced to do something against their will. It's also a problem when women feel like 
they're going into that they see surrogacy as an opportunity to make a lot of money, right? This is especially a concern in the developing world. Um, and this was a problem that, that was happening in India. Um, and so they were trying to address that. Um, where couples from, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be couples, individuals from Europe or China or anywhere else go to the developing world and create this market and are willing to pay something for a woman. And so this woman maybe is freely choosing to become a surrogate insofar as, you know, she's, she signs the paper, but she might be doing it without understanding all of the risks. And also by feeling like this is, um, you know, just a good economic decision, she can make a lot of money in nine months that she wouldn't otherwise be able to make. Yeah. Um, so, you know, right now um, there's the, the Hague is, you know, having groups of, of international experts representing different countries to try to figure out how from a legal and international legal perspective, you know, to address a lot of the concerns and the issues that are raised by surrogacy in terms of um, legal parentage and, you know, jurisdictions and, um, you know, what is required for citizenship in a different place. Um, and all that, those, a lot of those negotiations are really happening behind closed doors. There's not a lot of information about where, what kind of progress they're making. Um, and, but it seems like, you know, one issue that, that in my work I hear about at the UN, when, when the UN um, special procedures and, and, and the people who work um, on surrogacy and other issues of women and children talk about um this right of right to know their origins Mm. so um that's kind of a legal framework that is being discussed internationally i mean if we look domestically there are you know a growing number of states i mean potentially if south dakota is entertaining the possibility of legalizing surrogacy um you know that would be another state right now california and new york are really the the hotbeds of surrogacy um, yeah. for Americans or for couples coming from other, other places to America who can pay for the, you know, the service and the regulation and, you know, assume yeah. those children will have more structures in place than, you know, if a, a couple goes to India or Thailand or Mexico. Um, well, well, Grace, we're running out of time. We didn't get to kind of reframing the conversation. So, folks, I'm going to throw up in the show notes just some of Grace's uh, and her co-author's thoughts on what are like some of the principles we need to keep in mind as we reframe this conversation around the rights of, of children and women. Um, Grace, it was just a delight to have you on the program. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Yeah, very welcome. And um, just in closing, I promised at the beginning of the show, I was going to tell you the vote, the, the vote that killed House Bill 1096 a couple of years ago. The votes to kill it came from Senator Helene Duhamel, Senator uh, So Holt, uh, Senator Foster, and Senator Rush. Those are the four senators who... Um, who voted to kill House Bill 1096 a couple of years ago that would have uh, affirmatively banned commercial surrogacy in the state of South Dakota. When this comes back up again, folks, if they're if they're if you are their constituent, um, just make it a point to, to reach out to those folks 
and uh, and let them know what you think. They need to hear from you. That's all for the, uh, for this show. Until next time, live well. Mm-hmm.